It's time to put down the pen and paper and retire those spreadsheets. It's time to upgrade with Tree Plotter Jobs, a straightforward estimating, scheduling, and work order software built for small and mid-sized tree care companies. Tree Plotter Jobs is based on maps. Think Google Maps with all of the information you need connected to a real world location. You can impress potential clients with interactive maps in your estimates and ensure your crews always know exactly where and what to work on. A job subscription is only $95 a month and supports unlimited users. So to learn more about jobs, go to planetgeo.com. That's P-L-A-N-I-T-G-E-O.com. You can also test it out for yourself with a free two-month trial. Just enter the promo code JOBS60 at checkout. Right now, Hello. yeah, I'm gonna start off. Hey, hello everybody. My name is John Lewis. I'm here with the uh, I'm here with Corey Parsons of Rogue Tree Solutions. Uh, here today, we're gonna have a nice discussion about uh, corporate culture. What is culture? Um, I had the opportunity to to visit Corey's company last year. It was a great visit. We spent a, a lot of time talking about culture and really what it means to his business. And we thought it'd be great to share it with some of our listeners out there. So, um, take this moment to introduce Corey. Corey, why don't you? Uh, Say hello to everyone out there today and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about uh, how you got started in the business. Yeah, I appreciate that, John. Uh, yeah, I'm Corey Parsons with Rogue Tree Solutions. Uh, pretty much been in the industry. You know, I, um, some people, I think, have choices in their career. And for mine, mine was kind of predetermined in early age, uh, third generation in the tree industry in some way, shape or form. Uh, started off, my father was in it. He worked for uh, the largest utility line clearance company in the world. He was there a total of 41 years before he retired. So, I mean, I can remember as a little kid, you know, uh, waking up and and literally going on storm calls with him as he when he was a general foreperson. And so I was kind of ex- exposed to it at a very early age. Um, at the time, you know, got into high school. I'm like, man, there's no way I'm ever going to go into the tree industry. That's I guess that was my mindset anyways. I seen what kind of what he did and what the guys did. And I, I respected it, but I didn't know enough about it to really give it a, uh, a chance. All I knew is I didn't want to do what my dad did, right? Like that was my mindset. Shortly out of school, I went in, did stuff in firefighting. I did stuff in EMS and paramedics. I found out kind of that it really wasn't for me. One day my pops called me. He's like, Hey, I need somebody I can kind of depend on. And we were looking for a decent worker. And so I, I started and then I was there for 10 years and then kind of uh, partnered up with a, a close friend of mine who actually, he was the one that started the, the Rogue brand. He was never really a tree guy. And even to this day, he really isn't a tree guy, but he had that initial idea and we kind of got together, man, got the wheels turning. Um, and it was for basically side money and hustle money. That's what the business started as. And then from there, it quickly grew into what it is today. Uh, uh, Corey, can you actually expand on what it is? Now, I know about your business. I, 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 you know, I've had a lot of great conversations with you. Can you talk a little bit about what your core business is in tree care? Because I think it's a little bit different than just doing residential and commercial work. It's, it's a lot different. So you know, can you talk about what you do for, for the state of Ohio um, yeah. and, and talk specifically about the type of tree care you do? Because it's not just one facet of tree care. You do, a, you do a lot of different things. So I think it's really cool for everyone to hear about that. 
Yeah, we do. So obviously it started off as residential. Um, I wanted to find something, you know, everyone that was in my area that I knew that did residential, uh, they had a really hard time retaining employees because they were off most of the winter. So I wanted to make sure that I could retain employees, keep them working 12 months out of the year. So I wanted to get really uh, active into the commercial side of things. So my first kind of course was uh, I wanted to work for state of Ohio, um, primarily Department of Transportation. So in Ohio, we have uh, some federal restrictions that we have to go by, and that's the uh, Indiana bat restriction, which basically um, it pushes all the work from October to March 31st. So in my mind, I was like, man, if we could really, if we could kind of lock into some of these contracts and get involved in this, kind of when residential starts slowing down, um, I could really, from a business standpoint, I was like, I think I could do really well on this. At the same time, it keeps all my, my team working. So that was a lot easier to put on paper than it was to actually do. Um, there's a lot of hoops you got to jump through, you know, then the safety, that's where your safety side really comes in. Now, you know, T's got to be crossing, I's dotted. And so from, from the state stuff, you know, uh, state of Ohio is probably our, our largest uh, uh, that we work for on the commercial side. Um, we do do a bunch of work for municipalities and townships. Um, we got a little bit involved over the last couple of years trying to break into federal contracts. So that's still we've been pushing into. And then we also do utility line clearance as well. Nice. So you got a really diverse or diverse mix of business of what you're doing, which I think is great. But the one thing that really stuck out to me is how you thought about how to keep your team working 12 months per year. And I think that if you have that mindset where your thoughts are your concerns about your employees, they feel that. And, and I, and I know that you, I, I know that your employees appreciate that. Let me ask you this. Well, when you first got into this industry, what was the cultural standard, uh, you know, for, culture, you know, really, um, if you could talk a little bit about that, I think that's really cool. Like, like when you first started doing this, what did you run into? It was kind of tough, man, to be honest with you. So when I first got into it, like I said, my old man was a, a general four person. Mm -hmm. His group was different than all the other groups in, in this area, right? So you have a utility line clearance company. It could be composed of, you know, 20 different pullout locations or 20 different yards within an area. So we would work uh, sometimes, you know, I'd be involved with some of the other yards. Their groups were, they were just completely different than what he had built. Um, and it, it was, I kind of, I remember like it was yesterday, kind of walking into his yard and he had a pretty rough looking group of guys. Um, you know, I best kind of way to describe them is they majority of them looked like bikers, um, you know, lots of tattoos, bigger guys, long hair. And I'm like, man, this is a, this is a pretty focus group of guys you know all pretty similar in the same look but I noticed like on the back of all their shirts they had the words Wolfpack on the back of their shirts I'm like man this is I'm like this is kind of cool we'll started talking to the guys and they're like they they were proud to be part of that group that called themselves the Wolfpack now obviously they're part of a much larger company and corporation right but that group was the Wolfpack and it was kind of cool to you would get mixed in with the other yards and they like, they look differently at that, that single yard and, and their performance level stood out. So that's kind of, as I, you know, progressed in that company, I wanted to have that same mentality. I wanted to have a group of guys that were, um, that you wanted your back, Corey. You yeah, wanted your I wanted back. the wolf back, but I, I like wanted it. I like that, it. Man. I, I wanted it to be bigger and better. So right. 
and I, and I did have that um, going through the ranks there. And, and once I got my own group of guys, like we were the guys that they sent into areas that no one else wanted to do the, the trees that people would back down from across the state. There was always my team that went in and got it done. So that was pretty cool. And then we started kind of getting noticed on the utility side of things too. When we would, uh, when big storms would come in, um, we'd get requests like, Hey, we want those group of guys. So that was, uh, for me, it's, you know, the pride of, you know, we all got a job to do, let's do it to the best of our abilities. So that was, the culture was there initially kind of what I wanted to, I guess, uh, mimic in, in a sort of sense. Um, yeah, of course. But when, when Rogue, um, so when I came into Rogue, it was just literally as one guy um, and he's one of my best friends. So he, he, again, he didn't really know tree work. He knew enough, honestly, to get himself in a really bad situation. So when I came into it, I was like, look, all of this stuff has to change. And if this, if you want this to go bigger, like this is what needs to happen. So, you know, we started grinding weekends, you know, I was working most times seven days a week. Once the brand started kind of developing, it was really cool because we wanted to be bold and go ahead. I was going to ask you, what was the number one thing when you came in? I think this is, I, I'm glad you started talking about I, when you came right in, you know that you had to change culture. What's the first thing that you did? Now we're sharing like, a, you know, out there with everyone. What's the number one thing you identified when you came in? You go, that is the first thing that we've got to change when you're looking at the entire operation. What's the one thing you honed in on right away? I'm curious. This is just for me now. I'm curious. I should have asked you this when I visited. I'm sorry. I didn't do yeah, that. Yeah. The biggest thing that, um, so the, the mold that that company was is um, it didn't matter if you were certified arborist. It didn't matter if you had a class A CDL. It didn't matter your skill set. Everyone was treated equally. And I have a huge issue with that from a business okay. standpoint because employees are simply not equal. Um, they're not, right? So you have, if you can't reward the guys that's your top performers, you're going to lose them. And I think kind of your, your culture almost gets lost in that too because if everybody's, you know, if you got a guy that's going out doing bare minimum, but he's making the exact same as your guy that's that's going out and, and he's doing exactly what needs to be done at, at 100% every single day, well, sooner or later, you're not going to pull the the mediocre guys to that level. You're simply going to pull the the guys that's killing it. You're going to drop their, their mindsets down. Right. So I wanted to be able to, and obviously – big corporations, they've got a, you know, there's a lot more hoops to jump through and, and the, the red tape. So I was able to kind of restructure that right off the rip. I was like, if you're, every time you get a credential, you need to be paid for that, right? Like you're, you're valuing, you're making my company more valuable to our customers. Why would you not make more money? So that was right off the rip. I wanted to change that. Nice. I, I like the fact that you're rewarding education as well. And then we talk a lot about that. You're offering that opportunity to continuously make your team safe, but also leading them toward a, a path of development. And that's exciting. You know, that's, that's what a lot of what TCIA does, but I'm glad to hear that you really bought the number one thing you bought into was really realizing that, you know, you're going to have to have a structured plan to retain talent. Um, let me ask you this right now. How is this continuing? You know, what, what is on a day to day? How are you continuing to um, identify your talent? I think that's pretty important. And when you do identify your talent, how are you continuing to keep them bought into the rogue brand and, and basically offering them more opportunities? Yeah, so that's 
that's a little it's kind of tough to answer, to be honest. I know I didn't make it easy on it you, my is, friend. Is, I don't make things easy all the time. <laughs> I mean, that's not what I do. You know, I gotta yeah, so make it tough on you. I think um, you know, our culture um kind of we're a culture of ownership sort of sense, right? So with that ownership, the guys like I don't I don't really personally have I can't take like any, I don't, I don't know the word. I, I can't take responsibility for my guys wanting to stay. They are loyal to the brand. And now I, what I can take uh, ownership of it is the brand that I built. So they like, it, it's kind of cool. If you listen to the way, like my foreman talk and, and even a guy that just started in with us, they're so brand specific, like the rogue brand means as much to them as it does to me. So I'm not really sure how that happened, to be honest with you, over okay. the years. Um, but the cool thing is, is my group of guys, like in the last three years, I haven't lost a single guy to another tree company. Well, so, that's a good, that's a good point. Now, let me ask you, you kind of don't know why, but I, I think as an outsider looking at it, I think I can tell you a little bit. I think they're bought in because I think that they know that you care about their progression, their safety, their development. And that might be one of the reasons why they're so bought in. Um, but I would always recommend just talking to them, you know, and saying, hey, can I ask you why you really love the Rogue brand? I mean, I would personally say it's all the cool gear you give out. You know, I love it. So that'd be one of the things I would say. That's that's probably part of the branding aspect of what you do is really cool. And we'll talk about that more in a few minutes. But that, like, that might be one take for me, you know. Yeah. Um, don't be afraid to ask him. Be like, Hey, why, man? You know, and it's why tough. are you, why are you so in? It's you know? tough for me to answer that. I guess in the sense of it's hard for me to understand that there's business owners that don't have that mindset. Right. But I mean, so like, how do you, how do you not care about your guys? Like if you don't know your guy's family, if you don't know their kids, if you don't know their problems, you're not, in my opinion, not much of a boss. You're, you're, <laughs> you're sure as hell not a leader. Right. So like to be a strong leader, all of that comes with it. Like you have to be able to lead your team. And sometimes that might not have anything to do with the actual job that they're doing at that point in time. Um, so it, I don't know, man, there's a respect level there that I have for all my guys. And, and they I believe that that goes both ways. But at the same time, you know, money from a dollar sense, like right off the rip, we do try to we try to pay our guys a premium dollar figure, right? So everyone needs a, call, a a comfortable wage for comfortable life. But at some point in time, no matter how many raises you give a guy, at some point, it has to be more than an hourly rate. Let me if ask you a question. Not, I'm sorry ahead. to cut you off real quick. It just led me to something else. You said you didn't lose anyone um, to any other companies. Let me ask you this, because of other companies failing culture, how many people do you think were attracted to the rogue brand from just that point of view of saying, hey, I work over an XYZ company and I was treated really poorly and I hear how well I'm going to be treated here and I'm really interested in exploring an opportunity. So I'm just curious. Yeah, we get a lot. Um, I actually, I've got probably, it's funny, you know, we I talk to a lot of businesses uh, weekly and not just the tree industry, all, all different facets of, of business. And everyone's number of problem is they're like, man, we don't have enough employees. I have waiting, like I literally have a waiting list for foremans and guys that are talented and they're decorated and they're good employees. Um, I've kind of built what I have. And right now I'm not really trying to expand on my, my uh, amount of employees. So I kind of have my group of guys that I, that I need. Um, I think we had three new hires uh, this year that we, we brought to the team, but so that's kind of different and it's kind of cool um, that we have 
that much of an attraction that we have people that, you know, send us their resumes and, and very talented individuals. Um, but at the same time, and it just, so kind of going into the culture aspect, I'm very selective on, on my group of guys on who I hire. So I don't care how good of an employee you are. I don't care how much credentials you have and what certifications you've obtained. If you're not, if you don't fit in with my core or my group of men, like I'm uninterested in you. Um, and that's for, that's for everyone involved, right? Like my core group of guys, they have their way of doing things. And it, it kind of goes back to that. They're a pretty rough group of guys, man. Like if you look at them, they just have a, they have a certain look to them. And so we, you know, culture, man, it can go both ways. Sometimes your culture um, can hurt you in the sense of you could have some super talented guys out there that I'm not going to have on my team just because it doesn't match and it doesn't mesh with the group that I have. Yeah. So it goes both ways, but it, so far it's, it's really worked for us. Good. Good. Hey, let me ask you this real quick. Does you, do you think your company culture affects the type of type of clientele that you're attracting and the type of business you receive? And if it does, can you talk about it for me? Yeah, it does. Um, from a residential standpoint, uh, it's funny. We have most of my guys are, are pretty uh, muscular. They're, they're big guys. They're, they're attractive looking guys. So when it comes to the residential side, it's pretty, I can't work for you, Corey. Is that what you're telling me? (laughs) That's okay. That's all right. It's okay. I got you. You know, I've been lifting a lot. I've been running a lot more. I don't know. You know, you, you look good. You feel good, right? Yeah, I do. I do. So, um, but it's funny, like a lot of the, the Facebook groups around here, you can literally get on and like search rogue and the amount of conversations, like there's one, it's like Medina housewives, it's a group that's like the amount of chatter that our company has, but it's, it's kind of cool. Like you look at that, the amount of work we get from it, they're like all the road guys. And, um, you know, some from anywhere from our commercials to our branding, it's an attractive look like it, it, it it works. Um, and honestly, it kind of led to a humongous partnership we have with, uh, Morbark, um, Morbark and Rayco. So, you know, we do a lot of their sponsor work. Anytime they have a new piece of equipment, we do their prototypes on it. You know, they, they'll bring us equipment out. We'll do photo shoots with it. All, you know, we're pretty, in the grand scheme of things, we're, we're not a big company, in my opinion. You know, there's, a, there's companies out there buying way more pieces of equipment than what we have bought. But the, the woman who originally met with us, she was like, you guys are hot and you guys sell. Like, literally, that's, that was their word. So it, that worked for them, right? Like, we have a, a brand that um, our brand imaging uh, has it slowly evolved over the years, but it's spot on in my opinion. Um, but at the same time, it can work against you in the same way, right? So we have a very bold look. There's customers out there that um, think we're a little bit too bold and they might pick somebody else that's got a more kind of a more of a green feel, if that's how you'd want to describe it. I think it's pretty important that you talked about the fact that your, your, your look, it might not be for everyone. Um, and it, it might've, it might, somebody might go with somebody a little bit more reserved, right. but overall, I, I, I'm just curious. Do you think that the fact that you are the way you are has led to the level of success? It has. And you know, it goes back to ownership, right? I don't expect everyone to, to like my brand. I don't expect everyone to like my look, but it's my look. And at the end of the day, like I embrace my look wholeheartedly and, and my guys do the same. So like, 
I guess I don't care if, if I, I'm not asking for, for people's opinions or permission, like this is the look I wanted and this is the look I embraced. And uh, it just goes to ownership. Like I own it. Like, you know, if there's consequences from it, we'll take that as well. But as of right now, it's worked. And we've had some issues over the years. Um, we are very patriotic. Um, I've got a, a quite a few combat soldiers that work for me. Um, my one of my brothers was ninth wing special operations. Um, when he got out, he, uh, he's got a, a pretty extensive tree background as well, but he's my sales manager. So, you know, our trucks have uh, American flags on them. They've got Punisher symbols on them. That has caused us some troubles over the years that I won't go into, but, uh, again, it goes back to ownership. Like this is my brand. Like you can either choose to use us embrace us, or you can go with somebody else and that's fine too. But I think that's probably helped with your culture because, you know, the guys that are the guys that you have, they're brought into that culture. They they know that you're patriotic. They know that you care. Right. Uh, and I think that's that's been a big difference maker. And that's probably why your business is as successful as it is. And right. I got a chance to see it firsthand. We can't show everyone else out in podcast land how cool it is, but they can take a look. There are ways for them to 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 look at Rogue, to go on Google, Google Rogue Tree and, and find out about it, which I think is great. Um, Joe's here with us. Joe's very quiet in the background because usually I talk so much. And I know Joe probably has a couple of questions on branding um, because, you know, we like to learn about why this brand works so well. So, Joe, I kind of wanted to turn over to you to see if you had any questions to, for Corey uh, about that specifically. Yeah. One of the big things is the marketing aspect of anything is probably one of the most difficult ones, especially in the tree care industry itself. Uh, the amount of companies or brands with the name Tree Arbor uh, it starts to get quite extensive. And you start to mention how your brand is a little bit different. It's not the green brand. You have your own kind of niche that you carved out. So for you, carving your niche was just kind of second nature, right? right. I find even at TCA, we, we do a lot of brand studies and you have to look at the competitors around you. Um, you know, what's your kind of recommendation for a company that's either looking to rebrand out of the just general tree care niche into something a little more personal for them, or even people who are establishing a new brand? I think my biggest thing is truly understanding what uh, brand recognition is and what does it mean, right? So like you can have a, a, you can have a great business, but if you don't have a brand that matches it, or even a, even kind of dissect a little further, even a, a great logo. Um, you know, I, I think they say on average, you have you know, three seconds to, to look at a, a logo, understand it, and you're driving past it. When you, you know, there's so many guys in our area that come out and it's, you know, we're just going to say like Joseph's Tree Care or, you know, John's, John's Tree and, and Lawn It all gets kind of lost. Um, you know, there, there's not a recognizable logo. So with us, like multiple forms of brandings going on in our area, uh, pretty much 24 seven. So we have some, some really cool uh, TV commercials that was produced by a local advertising company that I actually, I went to school with him. He's the one that did our website as well. And if you get on and you see some of these videos, um, even if you get onto Morbark's website and, and look at their videos on their equipment, he basically built those. Um, so from the videos to, if you see our trucks, they're cut, like we have, I mean, you can see our truck and there's no question on what we're there to do, right? It's got a, a giant chainsaw that's formed into our logo. Um, and we had that logo is like, 
it is everywhere. Everyone you run into, uh, we use yard signs for us for marketing. Yard signs are the most uh, prop, you know, return on investment. They're the best thing that we do. So, but with that, it goes back to that three seconds when you're driving down the road and you see someone's sign in their front yard. You don't have time to sit there and 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 read it and go through all the information. You need to be able to see it, see the logo, and immediately go, okay, or wait, you know what? I do have something at home that I need them to look at, or maybe that CEO is on the way to his commercial complex and goes, man, our trees are looking a little rough. Maybe we could give those guys a call. Yeah, and I think it's important too. John's talking about culture and your company culture and how it all ties together. It's just overall, you just have a very strong idea of how you want the company to look and how you want it to operate and how you want it to be. But I think for a lot of people, whether they're, you know, new company owners or existing company owners kind of experiencing the crisis, whatever you want to call it at this point, it's really hard to figure out what that should be. So what kind of like exercises or things should people be looking at to turn their company overall? Because part of it is, you can change the culture and you can change how you treat people inside. But the other part of it is then trying to attract people to it, which is the marketing and branding side. What kind of, what kind of exercises are need to be done to, to take this off in small chunks rather than one, one big thing. Yeah. Again, that's, that's, (laughs) that's hard to answer in a podcast. Um, I think the biggest thing, number one, right, is your, your company has to, whether it's, a company that you've had running for three years, or it's one that's, you know, just underway, you have to have, um, first, you know, obviously you have to have a plan, but then it has to be successful. Cause if your business isn't successful, you're not going to retain anybody because no one wants to be concerned about, you know, are we going to have a job six months from now? And even, you know, looking at long-term, is this something I can retire from? Um, which is a humongous question. And, and you look at, um, the stats, and the metrics on tree businesses in the country, it's it makes sense of why people jump around so much in the smaller the smaller businesses. I think, um, and maybe John, you could correct me on this. I think somewhere around you know ninety five percent or less, uh, or ninety five percent of tree businesses do less than I think it's two million dollars a year in revenue. So that's pretty fair to say. Most of the tree care companies are smaller in, in, in volume. Yeah, that's fair to say. I don't have the exact stats. I, I know that uh, Peter Gersenberger are, would probably have those. He's our industry expertise individual, very stat oriented. Unfortunately, I don't, I don't know them offhand. But yeah, for the most part, I think that's fair to say that most tree care companies generate less than, than 2 million per. I think that's very fair to say. And our goal, we, our goal is obviously to help those companies to develop where they can do $2 million worth of sales by being a part of TCIA. So that, that, that's part of our goal is to, to work with those companies to do that. But yeah, it's yeah. definitely true. And that's, you know, so if you're, if you're a smaller company, it's hard to offer, um, if your business isn't running efficiently, it's hard to offer 401k and health insurances and, and all the things that help tie down and lock down a good employee. Because if you don't offer those, what does that say about you know, the feelings on your on your guys, right? Like, if if you have a guy who's got you know two or three kids, and um, and even if he's a single income family, how are you not? If he can't get insurance for his kids, you're you're not going to retain that guy. Um, so that's you know right off the rip. Like, if you don't have kind of some of the key elements for your employees, you're not going to retain them. I don't care how good a culture you have or or what type you know what you can pay them. They need to be able to 
um, understand that. And then it kind of goes into kind of some of the leadership values of you need to take the time as a CEO or the president of educating your, your younger guys that maybe don't have any idea what a 401k even is or how important health insurance is. And once they understand that, if you can get, get through to them, the importance of that, then they can kind of start seeing, wow, like, man, this guy doesn't actually have to pay for this stuff for me. And it's pretty cool that he does. And um, what I, one of my favorite things is, you know, I recently just got a new guy in um, he's mid thirties and his first week he come up and shook my hand and he's like, I have never worked for an organization like this. He's never done. Uh, I'd take that back. He, he worked for a tree company out in California, but since he's been in Ohio for the last six or seven years, he's been just kind of doing other things. Um, and he was like, I have never worked for an organization like this. He's like, dude, he goes, I can't believe like how much you care about your team. And you kind of, you know, you could spend an entire podcast talking about leadership itself. Cause that's, in my opinion, a good business comes from a strong leader. And, I, and obviously just from our conversation with you, we, we, we can tell you're a strong, I, I know you, I've met you and I've spent some time with you, but talking about leadership, how, how did you develop your leadership skill set? I think that'd be really interesting to hear because you exude that level of confidence that we all would wish to have. And I, I I'm really curious on how you developed it. Yeah. I, so I don't know, I man, I spent a lot of time um, kind of, I think every, I, I don't think you can teach someone leadership and that's, that's just my, my opinion on it. Um, you teach I, better leaders though, right? I mean, that's yeah, you, so you, you can sharpen the pencil, but you're either a leader or you're not period. Um, now you can develop that as you go. And, and a lot of it, man, it's kind of like being a parent, right? Like kind of teach yourself as you go and, and you, you learn what works and then sometimes what doesn't work. And then you got to develop from that and you constantly got to be evolving, but yeah, leadership, man, that that's probably of any skill set for a good business is you have to be a strong leader. Um, Cause what do leaders do? They make other leaders stronger, right? So you're, you're from the bottom clear to the top. If you don't have a strong leader leading the group, you're kind of just spinning your wheels. Um, and it kind of goes with that, man. I see a lot of business owners, and I don't know, I don't know if it's that they're not strong leaders or they don't have the ability to trust the ones beneath them, but that's why they, they can't make their business any bigger than what it is. You know, they'll run their, their three, maybe four employees, mm -hmm. but the, the guy that started the business 15 years ago is still the guy that's answering the phones. He's still the guy that's trying to do accounting in-house. He's still trying to run job sites and he's still trying to do all the estimates. You physically cannot grow a business if you're doing all of those things yourselves, at some point in time, you have to take a step back and you're going to, your financials are going to suffer for a little bit, right? Like you're going to have to make less money to pay people more to do their, to do a job that one guy's trying to do, but that's not sustainable. It sure is not sustainable for the business. Right. Now, how do you, now you empower your team, which is, I think the word that we were looking at is you empower strong leaders and you don't micromanage. What suggestion would you give to some of the, to that guy who's been doing this maybe three to five years, who's running one crew that isn't sure how to get over the hump to empower his team? What advice would you say? I mean, you're, would you put your arm around him and say, Hey, Bobby, you've got to just let your guys run. I mean, I don't know how I would do it. I'm mean, there. There's probably a couple of different ways to have that empowerment speech, but I'm curious to hear how you would do it. Yeah. And, it, and this industry is tough, right? Cause um, and a lot of people, you give them a rope and they hang themselves like I, that's really bad in this industry, right? Cause you can have severe property damage. You can have loss of life injury, which is all 
obviously very detrimental to a successful business. The biggest thing is, is you do have to find your guy, right? And maybe it's or, or guy or girl, you have to find that person that that you can trust. And, and that's tough. But once you find that person, and then you can lean on them to, to build. And the problem is, is like, I've had just uh, in the last couple of months, I've had probably three or four different businesses across the Northeastern uh, part of the country. And not uh, the one was a, he did irrigation. Um, he was from Oklahoma, called me and was like, exact same question you had. He's like, man, I've got my four guys. Like, what am I going to do? And you have to go like, I think most people, the biggest reason they don't do is not that they don't have the ability. They don't have the ability to take a step back on their finances a minute. I think they're so concerned on, I can't, it goes to, I can't afford a, like, I can't afford a, a, a good accounting company. So I just do everything myself. Well, how do you know you can't afford them? Right? Like I can't afford a secretary. I can't afford a salesman. I can't afford a production a director of operations. Well, how do you know you can't afford them? Who told you that? Well, I just think that. Well, do you have an accounting team? No, I don't. I don't have an accounting team. Well, how do you know you can't afford them? If you, you know what I mean? Like there, there's so many steps to it that, and obviously you have to start small. Like Rogue was one truck, one chipper, and me and my business partner. And two years later, we had uh, seven people and a full-time secretary which then allowed me to come off of job sites and I was able to go out and chase future leads and more work. By year three, we were up to, I think, 11 employees. And then by year four, we were up to 21. Um, so we obviously, uh, we had some very big strides. Um, we grew way faster than I think any of us anticipated. But uncontrolled growth can be just as detrimental as anything, right? So you have to understand, you know, when that dam opens up, you've got to be able to understand and navigate it. And that only comes with a powerful team. Well, let me ask you this, though, Corey. Now, if you did, if you have that, that exponential growth that you talked about, do you think that if you didn't control it as well as you did, that would have affected the morale of your company overall? Oh, absolutely. Because all it takes a little bit about that for me, because I'm curious to hear how you navigated those waters. And I think sharing that would be really cool. I think the the biggest thing, uh, especially in our industry is mitigation of of risk of injury, right? So like, if you've ever been part of a team that you've had an accident, you've had an injury, that is probably one of the most crippling things. Obviously, you have the financial side of it. If there's equipment damage, you have that. But the biggest thing is, is the morale of your team. And if your team's built correctly, in my opinion, it should be like one big family. So when you have a brother go down or you have a father go down, that affects morale across the entire system, right? So uh, you have a ripple effect there. So mitigating that is, in my opinion, is the most important thing is you have to reduce that from happening um, and try to eliminate it at all costs. So kind of with that comes with you have to put the right guys in the right position and you you can't just let them go out and and go oh this guy's going to figure out like you have to have your thumb on thumb on them and and make sure that they're capable of doing what they're doing but again all of that you can't be everywhere at once right so like there's only a couple of us in management i can't be on 20 guys all at the same time so that comes back into the culture of ownership like each one of those guys have to go I mean, I've got to make a correct choice right here. We have to execute this properly. And that's what's best for the brand, which ultimately is what's best for myself. Joe, do you have any follow-up on that? I, 
I kind of been hammering. I feel like I've been peppering Corey with a bunch of questions and I'm, I'm leaving you out there, man. So I know no, I you probably have a couple right there. You're though. all, you're all good. It just gives me a lot to think about. And this, you know, that story really reflects what we talk about all the time for us is working on your business rather than in your business and being able to separate yourself out that way, which I think is, is really, is really important. One of the parts that we probably need to touch is the difficulty of hiring people. Your company seems to be in a unique position where you have uh, people lined up and you haven't lost anybody else to another tree care company in a long time. Um, a lot of companies aren't experiencing that. So a lot of companies are experiencing the difficulties we're having right now with trying to find any employee, uh, whether it's for pay or they're swapping careers or they're, you know, working remote in a totally different career. One of the things I like to touch on now with people is that a lot of what your company can offer now is more than just pay. And you've talked about how you care for your employees. You don't understand how other companies don't. Uh, I think most people have been in a job where you can, you can really see if they cared about you or not. You know, I worked retail. I definitely know they didn't care about me in retail. So coming to a place like TCIA where they're are um, different perks, right? As a, as a person where you get time back to spend time with your family, your friends and that kind of thing. How do you think, so so as a, as a company owner and CEO and all that stuff, how do you go about approaching um, what kind of non-monetary compensation you offer to attract and retain uh, employees? Yeah, I think um, from people that's listening, the first thing, ask yourself, what's the last thing you did for your employees? And if you're, if you're, if the only thing you can write down is, well, I gave them a, a Christmas bonus and, and I kept them employed, you're probably doing something wrong. I like to have fun, man. I'm 33. I like to party. I like to have a good time. Most of my team does as well. Um, December, I took my entire company to Nashville for three days. I paid for the entire thing. Um, we, we ran it hard for three days. We had a great time. It was fun. You know, not, that's not for everybody. Um, you know, uh, I mean, I am a, a family guy now, but I still like to go on and have fun. But I, there's some guys in our company, man, that that's not their thing. And hey, that's completely cool. But we do that. We before that, we do uh, Country Fest is a huge thing in our area. It's a big three day uh, country concert that we sponsor. Guys can bring their their wives. They can bring their girlfriends. Um, we go have a fun time there. And you know, before that, we did a hog hunt, you know, took all of our guys down to uh, Crossville, Tennessee, and, and went on a uh, three-day hog hunt. It's those little things that you can't put a price on memories, and you you definitely can't put a price on having fun with your guys. I understand not all CEOs are, have that mindset, and they might not all be that much of a people person to, to kind of mingle and mix with your team. Um, and I know there's a ton of guys that teach business and CEOs out there that say you should never do that. But again, this is kind of my thing and it's what worked for me. Like we talked about earlier is from an hourly perspective, that only goes so far. But when you're guys like when you hear that this kind of go into the attraction of our company, you know, we'll go to these events and people will be like, oh, man, you, you guys were on that hog hunter. You guys were this or we seen you in Nashville. Like those are memories, man, that. It, for me, yeah, it's a, it costs me money and it's a line item at the end of that month, but it's a blast and you can't, you can't get that doing anything else. And then it kind of just builds into that culture of like, this is a brotherhood or this is a family. And, you know, we, we kind of all have each other's backs and we're all in this together. 
that's a really great that's a, I, that's a really great thing that you do for your team i'm really jealous that you didn't invite me on the hog hunt but that's okay i'm not going to hold it against you um you know I, I just think that's really great that you're sharing the fact that it really is that bonding experience too and it, it's exciting to hear that you have you're always thinking about your team you're always thinking about your culture because a lot of the companies that are out there right now they're not experiencing the type of success that you are with the retention with the hiring and that's why really i was really excited when you said yes to joining the podcast that you'd be able to share some of your some of your your stories some of your things that are working for you because the goal is we want to you know rising tides raise all ships so you know we want to share your experiences to help others in the industry reach a level of success as well. That's that's really important. And I'm I'm really thankful that you, you were able to take the time to to do that with us and, and share that with us. Yeah. I, Go I ahead. Yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off. Just a quick touch on that is like I said, I, I've had quite a few businesses um, over the last few years reach out to me and you know we've had some really good conversations. I think the biggest thing, man, that that companies find themselves in is they're working, they're working their asses off, right? That you know your president or your, your owner, your CEO they're working as hard as they can and they're grinding it. And the harder they work, they seem to lose ground on it, whether it's a monthly or a quarterly basis. And I think if that's, if that's how you feel, you know, you got, you're always going to have a pressure, right? You, you're going to have the stress of business. That's, that's just is what it is. But if you're so overwhelmed by your business that you can't even like, I heard a guy the other day is like, I couldn't even think about planning a trip, let alone taking my guys and paying for it. If your business is giving you that much stress, I think you need to go back to the drawing board and completely restructure. Um, and if you don't know how to do that, reach out to a, these, I don't understand these guys get this stigma that like, oh, we can't ask others in business. Dude, reach out to a successful company and go, hey, how do you do this? And yeah, they could be like, hey, absolutely not. But from my experience, most CEOs, and it could be a, a you know, $150 million company. If you can talk to the CEO, and they are more than happy to talk to you. And I, like I said, I talk to business owners almost on a daily basis um, yeah. from all different industries. And everybody, man, is kind of in that mindset of we're in this together. Now, obviously, if it's trade secrets, they're not going to be willing to, to dish them over, but they're going to help you kind of navigate that, man. And you got to kind of goes back to like, you got to have somebody to lean on at times. And if you don't, if you're trying to do it all yourself and you're taking the calls and, and running job sites, you're not going to get real far. It's just not sustainable. Thanks, Corey. Thank, thanks for sharing that, man. I appreciate that. John, say it out loud. I know you want to say that they need to reach out to you too for help out with the yeah, business stuff. I do. Yeah, I do. But, you know, I, I think the more important thing is too, is that we offer, you know, you can always reach out to me. I'm always available. But I think the networking events, you know, going to TCI Expo, going to the TCI Signature Events, connecting with your colleagues. You know, Corey, I saw you at the, the Ohio chapter, the ISA show couple months back. So going to those events, you know, and, and forming those relationships makes it easier to have those candid conversations. But yes, Joe, I was going to say, always reach out to me. Of course, yeah. I was going to say yeah. that. Well, I know you well enough at this point. So, Thanks. Um, you know, just trying to be cognizant of the time we have you for Corey, we're coming up on the, the end of our hour. Do you have anything that you'd like to talk about that we haven't had a chance to discuss yet? I don't, I don't really think so, man. Just kind of really hit home on leadership, developing your leadership skills. And dude, there's plenty of good, uh, there's some great organizations out there that, that can help if you're struggling. Um, Echelon Front is, uh, it's owned by a guy named Jocko. 
Um, he's also got a podcast. He's probably one of my favorite people to listen to when I'm, you know, throughout my day. The biggest thing, man, is uh, understanding that we're constantly evolving and you should constantly be learning. And if at some point in time you stop doing that, you're immediately failing, not just your team, but you're failing yourself. And I think kind of probably my last thing I'd say is always keep your, uh, your ears open and try to learn from anybody. And it could be your, your new hire that you brought in, you know, two days ago.